You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's been a long month since we've been with you, but that works out for us because now we have a lot to talk about. And I'm excited to be here because we're coming off our most listened to episode ever. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? Hey, buddy. I'm good. I'm sorry. I feel like I was partly responsible for us not being able to record much. Okay. Entirely. Entirely. Um, I, I I was sick for a little bit. I didn't I didn't have the Rona. Thank you for all those who are concerned. Uh, but I felt like my entire house was sick. I lost my voice for a week and then just been super busy. So uh, apologies to you. Uh, apologies to the Rink Royalty guys too. <laughs> They've asked us so many times, like, can we can we record and we just keep pushing it off and spoilers? Yeah, I know, I know. Just. It'll happen. I promise. It's, it's my fault. I take the blame entirely. So sorry, guys. But we're here now, and we're going to try to do some goodness for the, for the next hour and change. Yes, we will do our best. Before we start, thank you, guys. Our episode was our last episode was our most listened to episode since we started this four years ago. Is that real? Is that good lord? Feels like yesterday. I mean, wow. But thank you, guys. I think it's a great time to thank you guys because we started in the summer. So it's probably right around our actual four-year mark. Um, it's been great. It's been great. And I think up until this last or up until this episode, we're doing a good job of keeping our two-week promise. We'll get back to it. Life happens. That's the way it goes. But I think the best way we can make it up to you guys and thank you guys is by making number 72 so good that it is the new most listened to episode in Bannerman history. I like it. Just putting the onus on the listener. Well done. Well done. Well, thank you guys. We'll see you next time for episode 73. <laughs> uh, psych. Come on. Let's talk I, about hockey. Like, let's talk about hockey. Let's do it. It's been a while, like we said. So the draft lottery happened. Yes, it did. The Kings pushed in gambling <laughs> terms. It was a push. They will be selecting eighth, maybe. Mm-hmm. Selecting eighth in the 2021 virtual uh, Zoom, not in the room draft. And the logo they have for this draft is very fitting to the mundaneness that will be that event. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they scouted the logo about as much as they've been scouting these prospects, which is basically not at all. It, it's just, very uninspiring, located nowhere, very anonymous, random, uninspiring logo. But that's okay. That's okay. The Kings are going to pick eighth, which is um, higher than their usual 11th spot black hole that we've mm-hmm. come to know over the last 10 or 15 years as fans. Um, usually when the Kings miss the playoffs, they pick 11th. That's just kind of... <laughs> that's kind I'm, of... Or, or I should say b- barely miss the playoffs or within striking distance of the playoffs, 11 is our go-to spot. Really, So it's nice to be at number eight. We kind of touched on the prospects available in this draft. We kind of touched on what we would like. Anything change for you, Vardy, at the number eight Uh, spot? I mean, it's the problem is that I think it's, you know, we talked about this before. The, the scouting has been very difficult and uh, hit or miss. I feel like this season some of that is because the prospect pool is a little bit uh, hit or miss. There's not 
a lot of top end talent, even at the, even in the top few spots, I feel like it's questionable who they would take. Um, but also because of it being COVID season, some guys not playing full season, some not playing at all. I think it makes it very difficult to scout and get a good sense of who's what. Uh, and that being said, the eighth spot, I feel like it, it's such a crapshoot. It really is uh, as to who could be there at that point in time. I think there's some, there's, we talked about this before, like Owen Power has kind of been ranked uh, number one overall by a lot of rankings and uh, the Buffalo Sabres picking first overall seem very likely that they would take someone like Owen Power to uh, put next to or put with Rasmus Dahlin and hope that that's kind of your defensive fixture. That that much makes sense to me. But I feel like the rest of the way it can it can be any number of things. I you know Luke Hughes could be there, uh, Brandt Clark could be there. It, very difficult to tell. So for me, I think it's it. I just don't know if it's if there's enough talent at this point at the eighth overall pick that I would marry myself to the idea that there's no way I'd move that pick. It's too high to, to, to give away for something better. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think this, this type of draft is the draft where you're willing to get rid of an asset like that. Yeah. When there's so much uncertainty, um, when the scouting, like you said, has been problematic, I think it's an opportunity to really package that pick and I mean, we'll get into this later, but with, with the player that you and I want most yes. being seemingly available, I can't think of a better time. I don't know if you'll ever find a more perfect position to move this pick. Now, if for what you know, if you don't move the pick, Luke Hughes on so many mock drafts is going eight, nine, mm-hmm. seven. So, but in other ones, he's going two, three, right? So that should just kind of give you an idea of how this draft is all over the place. But yeah. if he's there at eight and the Kings are going to the podium, you could do a lot worse. I think that that's an exciting pick. Obviously, Listen, he's not Quinn Hughes. The odds mm-hmm. of him being Quinn Hughes are probably very low, mm-hmm. but there's a pedigree there. No matter what, there's something there that kind of gets you excited. So yeah, you know, uh, Brant Clark, I think Simon Edvidson is the other one. Right. There's some defensive prospects that you might look at, but number one priority for me, if I were in the shoes of Rob Blake, trade the pick, try to get whoever you're targeting, and that whoever is obviously in my mind, Jack Eichel. If you got it, that's got to be in the package, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, if you can't make that trade for whatever reason, and you're going to the podium and Luke Hughes is available, I can deal with that. But outside of that, I mean, even if it's not for Eichel, I think you got to be aggressive with that pick. Yeah, I think, so say, for example, I, I have nothing against Luke Hughes. I really don't. I think I agree with everything that you said. Um, part of me kind of wishes that if they decide to keep that pick, they they swing for the fences a little bit. Instead off the of, board? Maybe not totally off the board, but maybe a guy that has a higher ceiling perhaps than Luke Hughes. Cause I don't think that it's, I don't think that any of one of these guys is such a surefire thing that, that, Oh, we need to play it safe. We don't have enough in the cupboard. We, you know, we need to plug holes here and there. Yeah. They need defensive prospects, but I don't think any one of these guys is like, so, 
such a surefire guaranteed top pairing kind of guy that you can't afford to gamble a little bit. I think if any team can, can afford to gamble a little bit, be it with trading the pick or going a little bit crazy with it, it's the Kings. I think they've put themselves in that position and you should be able to, especially again, in a draft like this, where it's not totally clear, you know, where everyone shakes up. That being said, there is one name that I, I kind of would consider. Um, I actually, I don't mind the idea of, of them taking Jesper Walstead if he's there at eight and you know, I've full marks to, to Russell from ring royalty. I think he was the one who first planted that idea in my head. And I started looking into it a little bit, but if you look particularly at the age of Cal Peterson, I think he's 26 going to be 27 next year, either that or he's 25 going to be 26. And then he's going to, uh, that's on the last year of his current contract and he's going to get re-signed. So say for example, they re-sign Cal Peterson to five, six year deal, something like that. Right. That means you're going to have this guy until he's 31, 32 years old. And as we all know, it takes usually two to three years minimum to develop even the best goaltending prospect mm-hmm. into a legitimate NHL goaltender. To me, that's, that's a pretty decent, no pressure timeline to pick a guy with a pedigree like Jesper Walstead, you know, solid fundamentals, put him into the King system and develop him at his own pace over the next two to three years, just when Peterson maybe is starting his decline. So that's, that's the one thought that I've, I've kind of been coming around to a little bit more so than taking, you know, Luke Hughes or, or Brent Clark or some other defenseman at that point. Very, very interesting. Well, I mean, I think it's been mentioned in a couple of places that the Kings will be drafting goalies in this draft. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has mentioned Wallstead because he's he is a first round. He is going to go in the first round. I don't think there is any doubt about that. But it is an interesting, interesting idea that I hadn't thought about before, and it makes a lot of sense now that you mention it. Because if it is, if there is no clear cut home run like you mentioned, right, this would also be kind of an ideal time to take a swing at a goalie. Yeah, and and the top goalie at that, I think in the draft, I think he's the highest ranked goaltender. Yes, I'm not mistaken. I think it's him, and then there might be like another kid who's Finnish or something. But he's 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 the one that I see the most buzz about in terms of solid fundamentals, solid experience, lots of international experience, right? Uh, good size. I think he's six three, something like that. Six three two fourteen. Yeah, like it, it's it's all there. You know, and I get the idea that like, well, you don't need to draft a goalie in the first round, but I mean, you know, that doesn't mean you can't take a a really good prospect who's also a goaltender in the first round. I mean, look right now between Montreal and, and Vegas, it's two highly drafted goalies still going at it in their thirties, you know? Yeah. Uh, Um, Almost every mock draft has them going 15 or higher. Yeah. Craig Button has him number nine. See? Among all players. Yeah. Dauber Prospects has a number four. This is what I'm saying. It's it, it's within yeah. that range. It's definitely within that range. And just kind of, that's not to say a different team can't take him, but I just think that there's, there's a solid possibility that he might be there. And 
I look at the Kings prospect system and no disrespect to Matt Villalta and, and, you know, the, the pipeline that we've created in terms of goaltending prospects and finding them as college free agents, third round picks, et cetera. But again, in a year like this, if there really isn't someone else that's standing out and I'm, I'm not privy to their scouting information from the Kings perspective, but I feel like, it's not that crazy off the board. And in retrospect, it could be a really, really smart pick two to three years from now, knowing that your, you know, your next potential franchise goaltender is already there waiting to come in, you know? Yeah. I like that. I do like that. I mean, I haven't done enough research on Wallstead to, to really comment too much. Uh, I will say that the thing I like about, the opportunity to draft Luke Hughes is that, you know, you could, you could trade the pick, but you could also trade the draft pick because there is a certain cachet to his name. Uh, the Kings will get a, like an early look at him, his development. And I think for whatever, if you agree with it or not, because he is the third Hughes brother, mm-hmm. there will be additional value to him. If you ever decide to flip that prospect at some point. If the Eichel trade isn't there for you, sure, you know, and you wait, you say, okay, we're going to wait till next summer. He's a pretty good bargaining chip to have. Um, if it's not, if it's not a player you're completely sold on, what have you. So it's almost like having another first round pick at your disposal to trade in, in the upcoming season. Should you be unable to move that number eight pick? So yeah, I would be cool with either. I mean, I think what we both want, not want, but I think you would hope that the pick gets moved for a player who can make an immediate impact on the team. Mm -hmm. So basically we hope it's moved for Jack Eichel. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would be the ideal situation. I think in my Uh, mind. Now, how would you feel if that pick was moved for Sam Reinhardt? (laughs) I mean, look, he's a good player. He's a, He's a good player, but we don't have any great players. And I think, I think if the Kings are looking to make a true impact, not just now, but, you know, for the next several seasons, I would prefer that they go after great players. And I don't know. Then you get into the nitty gritty of, well, he's not really, Eichel's not great. It's like, come on, man. He's great. He's a great player. The problem is great players are rarely available. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, you're not going to find an opportunity like this where a point of game player is available at the age of 23, 24, with five years still left on his deal. And you want to talk about, oh, it's, it's an expensive deal. He's overpriced. He's not overpriced. He's putting up the point totals that he should be on a team that is quite terrible. And again, we've talked about this before you automatically secure your center lineup for the next four or five years, no doubt. And you get to get additional value of the last few years of, of Andre Kopitar's career, Dustin Brown's career, uh, Drew Doughty's career. I think people are forgetting that, you know, like you want to wait, you want the prospects to develop. I respect that. And I totally understand that, but you have a very finite window of overlap where those guys are still relevant and can contribute. 
and the other guys are still coming up and you can win something in that window. And if you want to stay in the hunt against the Vegas's, the Colorado's, the Edmonton's of, of the Western conference, you need to have a one, a one B center combination in my mind. You need, you need two solid, consistent point of game guys on your team and I just, I don't think we have that. And we won't have that for another two to three seasons. And by then, I don't know what Andre Kopitar is going to be able to do. Uh, I agree. I mean, the Kings have rarely, almost never been in, the, in a position like this where they have older players who are still producing mm-hmm. at a pretty good rate. Um, and at the same time, kind of rebuilding their pipeline and having young guys come up. It's just, I don't remember a time where that's happened. Usually it's, they trade away their older player hoping to restart from scratch. Yeah. Right? Even, yes. And even that older player was never in this case, we have like four, but was never a guy who took you to championships and who right. won major awards and things like that to that care, level of player. Just it hasn't happened. So I agree with you. I think like I look at the Boston Bruins, I love what they've been able to do over mm-hmm. the last 10 or so years. You know, they had their their cup winning core. They've kept their cup winning core. But at the same time, they were able to bring up guys who are major players for them. Charlie McAvoy, David Posternak. They have Mm -hmm. these guys that are like the second wave talent for the Bruins who now support or ended up supporting, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, Chara until recently. So that blend, yes. Did they win any other cups? No. But they are a threat every single year. Mm-hmm. we're not I don't think anyone's asking the Kings to win a cup every year I think we're asking that they have a bigger longer window than the glorious three years that we had yeah and it was short and it was sweet but I think if you look at kind of the mileage on these other teams they they got a lot more out of their cores mm-hmm. their winning cores than the Kings did and I, th- I think the Bruins are a good example because you know, they, they made bold moves to kind of stay relevant. They moved Tyler Sagan. They moved Phil Kessel, guys who they had drafted. And Sagan was very productive at the time when they moved him. I mean, he was, he was considered a franchise center at the time they moved him. I don't think, right. I don't think they were, I don't think they necessarily foresaw what was going to happen with his career. There might've been some occasional, character questions but the skill and the productivity was was definitely there but they made the bold moves that they felt was going to set them up to again take advantage of the aging yet still very much capable Patrice Bergeron um I mean that's I think that's the type of thing you have to consider doing I you know everyone wants to hoard these prospects and hope that you're going to have 12 guys that you developed all internally but that's just not the case you can look at any team right now even even playing in the playoffs who are getting by it's, it's an amalgamation of draft and trade and free agent signings, you know? Yeah. And I think GMs, modern GMs should be thinking more about how to sustain success than to, to go white hot for a short amount of time and then flame out. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the modern way to, to build a team. It might Mm -hmm. have worked before. I think, yeah. Blowing it up. And, and rebuilding a team and then, you know, going deep in the playoffs for a few years and then they age out and you get rid of all of them and then you do it again. I don't think that's the way it works anymore. I don't think the way that's 
that's the way it's going to work mm-hmm. in the future. I think the truly gifted or GMs with foresight will continue to always add to their team, subtract right. for their team while keeping their eyes on who their current core is and who their coming uh, future core is and just sustaining that success. The old Red Wings model worked, but that was before that was before yeah. the salary cap. You know, yeah. even after the salary cap, the Red Wings were able to do it a little bit, but once their aging stars went away, you saw what happened. It was they had nothing really coming up to supplant that. And now they're kind of in a dark hole. Yeah. And I, I would really hate for that to happen to the Kings because it's, even though it seems like it's a dark hole now, imagine how dark the hole would be if Kopitar, Dowdy, and Brown went away tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like you can't you can't put the dreams of what the pipeline will be three, four years from now ahead of the fact that you still have productive players right now, guys that you are not moving. No one, no one's moving Gowdy. No one's moving Kopitar. Brown's going to retire a King. You might end up moving quick, but you're probably not going to get a whole lot for him. You've already moved everyone else who want to cup with you. You need to take advantage of the fact that these guys are still playing. They're still your leaders in the locker room. You can't just let them wither and die especially not when Dowdy's coming out and giving press conferences and stuff about still wanting to win a cup, still wanting to, you know, make a push for this. Like you have to reward these guys. You can't just be like, well, you got your money. Keep playing until you retire. That's enough for you. That's not what they want. That's that's if you want to send a message to the other players that you're trying to attract to this team via trade or free agency, you make a push for it. You make a go. You don't just wait three, four seasons for Quinton Byfield to finally be a point of game player. And at that point, Ajay Kopitar is putting up 40 points and you're hoping, hoping he's still got enough in the tank for one more run. That's, that's just the way I I see it. It makes perfect sense to me. It's the correct way to think about it. I think it's the most level-headed way to think about it as well, because it's very easy um, for people to look at the Kings roster and say, Oh, once these old guys are gone, that's mm-hmm. when, well, it, why? Yeah. Why get there? And, and this is kind of a philosophical debate within Kingsland, mostly the fans, obviously, but why not go and make that big move? It's almost like everyone's scared or like everyone's yeah. worried that it's all going to go bad. And like, you're going to get, you're going to trade a can't miss prospect for Jack Eichel and, you're going to look back at this trade and be like, if only we had, I don't know, Alex Turcott, things would have, it's, I just don't like that mentality. I don't, yeah. especially when your pipeline is so stacked as it is right, right now. Uh, why not bring excitement? Dude, and, and to those, I have more to say. I'm sorry. Please. <laughs> I'm, 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 venti- right. I'm venting You're a right. little more. Sorry. You're right. Go for it, buddy. Um, it's all you. I'll mute my mic. I, no, please don't. Uh, I've just, heard and talked to so many people and read so many things it's such a conservative approach to to building a team or as a fan wanting players or how wanting your team the way you want your team to be successful it's always been like this conservative approach even going back to when the kings were trying to get Ilya kovalchuk in in 2011 i believe it was or 2010 and there was this giant uproar of like, don't get the, you know, you don't need this guy. You don't need the star player. Of course they turned out to be right. Uh, 
clearly it was the right move. Clearly everything else that happened after that was the, was the right move. But you can't tell me that had the Kings added Kovalchuk at that time, you don't know what would have happened. My point is there's seems to be, there seems to be resistant against getting big name players against ad, adding star players and that everyone has to have that logo tattooed on their ass or whatever the hell Dean Lombardi said. Friggin' 20 years ago now or some crazy shit like that. We're still talking about it 15 years ago. I, I don't like that there is a pushback against getting star players. If you have the opportunity to get one, you should get one. Like, why can't we be excited for a star player to be on the Kings? Why can't we be excited for when you read those big trade headlines? For once, it says the Los Angeles Kings acquire. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't understand the pushback. At the end of the day, I'm a fan. I want to be entertained. I want to have a good product on the ice. I want to see su- sustained success for my team. And I would, you know, I would much rather the Kings be good for the next 10 years and maybe win one cup or whatever, two cups, then have them be really good for a short period of time and have success. It just, it was great when it happened. I don't, I don't anticipate two cups in three years again, but it also fizzled out way too fast. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing against building excitement. And other than building excitement, I think it would be the right move for the team's success as well. So sometimes it frustrates me that there's such pushback on, on moves like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally get it. And to those people, I would, I would point out, you know, I, I point them to look at how the Vegas golden Knights kind of constructed their roster. You can be upset about how the expansion draft and everything played out for them. That's fine. A lot of GMs made mistakes at that expansion draft and they handed them a lot of their roster, but look at how they took that opportunity and they ran with it. They didn't just go, we've got a great team. We just made the cup finals. Now we're just going to keep bringing in prospects. We're going to just let the pipeline fill it in, right? They kept going after it. Every year they have gone after it. They've brought in guys. It's worked out. They've let them go. They brought in Stasny. They traded for Stone. They re-signed Stone. They got Pacioretty. They re-signed Pacioretty. They went out and they signed Peter Angelo. Every move that they have made, I have sat there and been like, oh, that's a mistake. Finally, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bite them in the ass. And yet here they are again. And, and they're going to be there for another five years. Exactly. And those guys are still playing and those guys are still producing and they're still, you know, going to be building block players for them. Now you can sit there and say, Jack Eichel's no, no Mark Stone. That's fair. That's fair. If, but the point is that like, you're not going to get these opportunities for these players. It might not be exactly what you want. It might not be the perfect defensive winger like Mark Stone, who also puts up numbers. But trust me when I say that Eichel is in that stratosphere. He's above that stratosphere in some regards. Those opportunities, when they're available, you have to be bold. You have to do that because, again, you have put yourself in a position where you can make this move. You can trade away three, not that I'm saying they can do that, they should do this, but they could literally trade away three first-round pick picks worth of prospects or picks right now, and the pipeline would still be completely stocked to the gills. You would not, you would not blink. You would still look back and go, oh, great, now there's room for this person to come up and play. So if you've put yourself in this position and you know that there's a log jam in terms of your prospects being able to come up and play, 
is the solution not to utilize those assets and bring in something else? I don't understand. So that's, that's where I stand with that. And that's not to say that's the only move I want them to make. We've heard rumors and we've heard discussion that they're in the market for two forwards and a defenseman and, you know, God knows what else. That's fine. That's great. I am all about that. Go sign Zach Hyman. Go chase after Dougie Hamilton if you want. I don't care. I'm just saying that I'll be really, really disappointed if when the time comes and the Jack Eichel sweepstakes is over, if I don't hear that the Kings were in it all the way at the end. I agree with you 100%. If I don't hear that they absolutely gave their very best offer to Buffalo, the very best, and and it just came down to like a Kaliev and the Kings had to say, no, I could live with that. Like mm-hmm. I could live with that all day. I'll be like, yeah. great. But if I hear that like it came down to they wanted Velarde over Turcotte and they didn't do it, I'll be pissed off. And I love Gabe Velarde. Anyone who listens to this show knows I love Gabe Velarde. But if it comes down to like that player being the keystone of that package mm-hmm. and the Kings say no, that's a failure on the Kings part, in my opinion. So all I want is give it your all boys. Let's give mm-hmm. it your all. And if it doesn't work out and if they're being pricks and they, you know, they're asking for a player that you truly believe is untouchable, then fine. I just, it would, it would bum me out if like a Turcotte or a Velarde is considered untouchable for Jack Eichel. Cause that's a mistake. Yeah. I think I agree. Now, if they're coming around and they're saying it's Quinton Byfield or bust, Totally fine. I don't can even, live with it. Don't even engage. That is that is not worth having that discussion. But the thing that bothers me is that the the talk out there is that now a month ahead of the draft, that the Kings are not interested in Eichel, and so yes, everyone's taking that, that to the bank and saying, "Well, we're out of it, boys." Yeah, but that's a month ahead of the draft. That's based on what is happening right now. That is based on what. Buffalo is putting out there and saying, right now, if you want Jack Eichel right now, this is the asking price. And I promise you, no one wants to pay that price. This is how it works. You start high, the other teams, you know, laugh at you. And then once you get closer to the actual draft, when things become a little clearer and there's more phone calls and there's more discussions, the asking price changes, what you're willing to give changes. I think, do I believe that the Kings right now are out of the Eichel sweepstakes based on what Buffalo is asking for potentially. I don't believe that that's going to be the case come July. I think right now what they're asking for is too much. The Kings don't want to pay that, but clearly no one else does either or else he would have been traded by now. And that's a part of my frustration too, is that people close to the team reporting on the team are so confident and certain and saying with, you know, so absolutely that the King, the Kings are not getting Jack Eichel Jack Eichel is not in the Kings' plans. It's June. Like, the Stanley Cup hasn't even been awarded yet. How can the Kings be out, you know, completely out of of something that is only in its, like, incubation stage pretty much? They're just barely getting offers. They're probably figuring out which team is giving the best package, and it's going to change. If the Kings aren't there, if the Kings are out now and they don't circle back, at the 11th hour, it is a failure on the Kings' part to not to not ask Buffalo on draft day or whenever the trade's going down 
what the best offer for Eichel is to see if they can beat it. That's yeah. that's where I'm at with that, man. And, and it, it's it's very frustrating to hear like people say, oh, we don't need Eichel. Let's get Jeff Skinner here. Let's have Buffalo eat 50% of Jeff Skinner's uh, contract or salary, which has five more years on it. You ever heard of a team eating five years at 50% on anyone's contract ever? Or someone else saying, let's bring in Taylor Hall, free agent. Come on, man. You're making me mad, guys. <laughs> You're making me mad. You're settling for second-tier bullshit that is not going to move the needle for this team. Taylor Hall is not the answer for this team on any level. On any level. Did he have a good showing with Boston? Yes. But you're going to sign him now in free agency for whatever. Let's say half of Eichel's, whatever Eichel makes half of that. He's not going to make an impact on the team. You're just going to slot him in and you're going to be a middling team again. There builds no excitement. It's like, I don't even know what to compare it to in King's history. What kind of acquisition. But Taylor Hall is a solid contributor to a hockey team. We don't want, that's not what I want. I want a game changer, a game breaker, someone who moves the needle for me as a fan, someone who moves the needle for the team on the ice. Because if you bring Taylor Hall into this team or whoever, I'm just keep harping on Taylor Hall. I don't know why it's stuck in my head. <laughs> but if you bring these second tier guys in, guess what? It's still on Kopitar for the next three years. It's still on Dowdy for the next three years. Rinse and repeat, man. Maybe yeah. you'll get some secondary scoring. Awesome. Yeah. It's not yeah, going to do it. Yeah, and you and I have talked about this. Like, just imagine imagine the opportunity and the space it opens up for Kopitar when you have a guy like Eichel and vice versa. I mean, that's that's what it... I just, I look at that opportunity. I look at the potential of a roster like that. I look at the potential of the pipeline, even with giving up the pieces that you would need to, to bring in a guy like Eichel. And for the life of me, it does not compute how anyone could look at this now and just wash their hands of it. Like it just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all, at all to say that this team is too good. It doesn't need an Eichel. It doesn't need a guy like this because we're so easily going to go out and even a guy like Taylor Hall, like, are you really going to go and give $9 million to sign Taylor Hall and know for a fact that he's going to come and join your team? Why would, why would Taylor Hall even come here? Why would, why would he come here? <laughs> you know, like this, these are the things that you yeah, have that's, to. It's a great point. Like, why would anyone come here? If you were a free agent of the caliber of, and I have brought up Dougie Hamilton. I would love to have Dougie Hamilton. But if you are a free agent of the caliber of Dougie Hamilton, uh, Taylor Hall, why would you sign with the LA Kings? It doesn't make any logical sense. So anyway, can I ask aside from, so let's, let's put Eichel aside now, because I think we've, we've hammered on this enough for the moment. Sure. Is there anyone else that you would bring free agent? I think we went through this, man. They're just, there isn't much there. Like yeah. there just isn't like you, Ryan Nugent Hopkins no showed the playoffs. Yeah. Like he ghost, he was a ghost. Like he, you're going to over, you're probably gonna have to overpay him to beat the market because mm -hmm. he's, he wants to win. I'm guessing like you mentioned. So you're going to not only have to overpay him, you're going to bring him in 
probably play him on the wing, which is not his natural position. And he uh, he's a nice player, okay? <laughs> like, that's what these guys are. Nice yeah. player to have, like, as a depth piece, but there's just – it's not going to make a difference. It's just not going to make a difference on this team mm-hmm. or for the future. It's not exciting. He's going to sign what? You're going to sign him for seven years? <laughs> that's what he wants. That's yeah. what every free agent wants. Yeah. Come on, man. You're going to sign that guy for seven years? You're – it's a waste. Why? Yeah. So I think that's the other thing that people don't realize. You can have five years of Eichel in a nice tidy package versus seven years of someone else, like who's older than Eichel. Like it just, there's, there's a lot here that to me makes way too much sense to go down that route. I will say that I, I have nothing against, against Sam Reinhardt. I think he's he's a good player. He's young. He just came off of twenty five goals in fifty four games, right? That's great. Yeah. If you can, if if Eichel's not there and you tried everything, and you you're taking a swing at Reinhardt, I'm not gonna be sit. I'm not gonna sit there and be upset. Even if he's probably after Eichel number two, the number two target for me if he truly is available. Um, I I just don't like the fact that people who make these comments and some people even who report on the team are willing to give up the eighth overall and prospects for a Sam Reinhardt for a Seth Jones, who by the way would be awesome for any team. Um, but not for Jack Eichel. It blows my mind. And yes, a lot of people say the injury. Sure. Do your due diligence, figure it out. I get it. But it's, I think it's like almost gone to the point where there's just like some inexplicable hate for a guy who can get you 80 points if he's motivated. Seth Jones, Vardy. I don't mind it. Here's another one. Zach Wierenski, who is apparently available. I I don't, (laughs) I don't know that that one would be interesting to see, but I I don't know how readily available Zach Wierenski would be. I feel like that's a, I don't know. That seems less legitimate than than Eichel. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we've heard very, you know, clearly, <laughs> blatantly yeah. that Jack Eichel is available. But I've read in several places. Obviously, Seth Seth Jones said, "I'm not resigning with Columbus." Yes. Yes. <clears throat> so that's as good as a trade request, pretty much. Right. The Wierenski thing. I just heard it from, I guess, credible people that he might be on the block. But again, the frustrating part. Willing to give up prospects yeah. and the eighth for Wierenski, but not no. But but I think I think it's because people seem to think that you're going to be able to get a Wierenski or a Jones for less than what you'd be able to get an Eichel. I, th- I think there's there's Wierenski key... maybe, but Jones is an established NHL player. I don't see why it, maybe a hair less or whatever. Well, he doesn't have the contract, right? Sure, like fine. Jones has one year left, and so um, and he's older. So maybe you know what's funny? Those people say that Eichel's contract is the problem. People will find reasons to justify whatever they want to justify in their own head, is what I'm trying to say. I think, like, if it's if it's Wierenski, it's oh he's too, you know, he's too old or he's too young. He costs too much. He costs too little. Like, I don't know. People people have found ways to 
to rationalize it in their own head as to why they don't want this guy. But I think it basically comes down to the idea that everyone wants their cake and wants to eat it too. Like they, they want every single first round pick they've ever drafted to stay in the Kings and they want to be able to get great players. And they think that they're going to be able to get everyone out there because everyone somehow suddenly is going to want to be on the LA Kings because we won a cup nine years ago, <laughs> you know, I just, I don't think any of that's realistic. You know what this team needs? Bruce McNall, just bring him in <laughs> just for a week before he bankrupts the team. Just for a little while, just let him make a few moves yeah. and just build on that. Why would Varinsky, I'm sorry, I'm looking at Columbus's roster right now. Like, why would Varinsky be available? Especially when Jones is essentially at the door. I don't know. The, the, the zero logic. There's no one on this damn team. If you move Jones, like, who do you, it's Varinsky and no one else, basically. They need to fold that franchise, relocate it. No one wants to play there. It's awful. How many players have requested a trade from Columbus? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. What, Nash, Carter, Panarin, Bobrovsky? They didn't request a trade, but they pretty much said we're not playing We're not staying, yeah. Now, add to that, Dubois asked for a trade. Right. I think Uh, Line is not going to stick around. Line is probably going to ask for a trade, like, in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Seth Jones not coming. Like, what the? It must be so frustrating for Yarmo Kekalainen, who's seemingly a great dude, mm-hmm. very entertaining, sharp. He must hate his job so much. It's just no one wants it. No one wants yeah. to play in Columbus, man. Move yeah. him. Move him somewhere. <laughs> I'm serious. What the hell's the point? They have to be that... bleeding money. Yeah. It's it's it's. It's a sad situation for them because you would think that for all intents and purposes, that would be a great location for an NHL franchise. Like the weather okay. fits, the, the the crowd fits. It just they just can't seem to get it together. Hockey matters there. It's not like hockey yeah. doesn't matter there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just weird. They just it can't figure worked, out the formula. Man. They just can't figure out the formula. I don't get it. Has not worked at all. So um, how about uh how about a couple other bits of discussion world championships happened over the last month felt like yeah, those came and yeah. went pretty fast our uh, our boys showed up a little bit some more than others uh trevor moore and cal peterson certainly uh doing well for team usa although team canada surprisingly coming out on top and winning the gold medal uh not a lot of thanks to to gabe velarde unfortunately no kind of kind of disappeared there a little bit um, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of the games. I, I didn't have any telecast access to it, but uh, just looking at the score sheets and stuff, I just wasn't seeing his name coming up a whole heck of a lot, unfortunately. No, I think uh, heavy helpings of Max Comtois. I saw mm-hmm. a bunch of him. Yeah. Um, I think Adam Henrique had some clutch plays. Yeah, nothing. I don't think he was even on the board. I don't think he got a point. A single point? A I'm single point. Sure I don't know. Oh man, now you're gonna have to make me look. Please do because I'm. I hope I'm wrong, but I like seem... like an accidental bounce off his butt or something. Oh man, that's that yeah, brings up I an think, excellent point. I don't know if you got on the score sheet. Yeah, it is, but it is interesting. I don't know if I have a good explanation for that. I don't know why that would be. I, I mean, he, I don't. I don't know what line he was on, but. His ice time seemed okay, if I remember correctly. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he was being staple to the bench, but yeah, I, I don't know if it's. Listen, I'm glad they won. 
because it's a good experience. Who else was on there? Jared Anderson Dolan? Mm-hmm. Um, Connor Brown was was absolutely yes, Brown ridiculous. Was on fire. There you go. Andrew Sean uh, Walker. Mangi- Andrew Mangiapani was uh, or Mangiapani. I'm I'm honestly not sure if it's a hard G or a soft G, but I think uh, it's Mangiapani. Mangiapani. Who, who's Sorry. Immediately going to be elevated into the Flames top six now. Yeah, Jason Robertson from Dallas. That yeah. was a that was a line right there. Him, yeah. uh, Connor Garland, and Trevor Moore. I think were the line, and they were just amazing together. Yeah. Amazing together. Again, I I I love the the career trajectory of Trevor Moore so far, like it's just elevating his game and playing with legit top line players here with Robertson and Connor Garland and contributing, man. It's, it's really nice to see. Let's see. I'm trying to see if Gabe, Gabe, well, he wasn't in the top 30. That's for sure. So that's about as far as I could go. That's disappointing. Um, Even if he did have a point or whatever, I mean, yeah, he just wasn't a factor. It sounds no, like, but I think it's it's a good experience. I think it's, you know, to win, to learn from these older guys, whatever hockey cliche you want to throw in there as well. But I think there's something to it. Um, to play under Gallant, I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. For him, I'm sure. Um, now this the, is what it took for Gerard Gallant to get hired, guys. I know, I know. But you know, we we talked about this briefly. I think last time about the kind of the circus that was the Rangers and the hiring of Chris Drury over uh, John Davidson and then the firing of uh, David Quinn, their coach. But if, if the plan, if the plan was to hire Gallant all along, then I'm okay with it because. Well, well for, I was reading about this today. I, it wasn't the plan until Drury came along. But that's what I mean. Like if, if the plan if there had been discussion between the Rangers ownership and Drury that right. like, what would you do if you were in this hypothetical position? And he said, the first thing I would do is I would fire the coach we have and bring in Gerard Gallant. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I've, I've, I've felt now for several seasons. And I think you and I both talked about this, that he was wrongfully fired by Vegas yes. and blows my mind that it took him this long to get a job. Like you mentioned, insane like my first thought was why hasn't seattle reached out to this guy I'm like, I hey know. man like immediately be like hey remember that magic you did we're gonna <laughs> and, need some of that and maybe they did and maybe he just wasn't looking for that maybe he wasn't looking to do that twice you that's, know yeah that's fair it's a fair point um but good for him new york rangers something about him and and that roster gives me a good vibe right like, it's, a scary vibe. <laughs> yeah, like those young guys they have, plus you know the older or veteran guys they have. There's a there's a good feeling there with Gerard there because he yeah. plays that up tempo style. Mm-hmm. He loves to forecheck like fast and hard, and they those guys can skate, man. Um, so it's gonna be fun to see what he can do with them. I think they're gonna be a good team. I think the range like watch out for the Rangers next season. I really do feel that way. Well, they were kind of on the on the cusp anyway. They just faded down the stretch because they had to they had to play in a really tough division. They also started out like losing one goal right. game after one goal game. Like right. they were right there in every game, but they just couldn't get you know like a winning streak going. So that set them back. Then they caught fire, and it was too late. Yeah. And, 
you know, but I, good for him. We're a fan. We're fans of Gerard on this podcast. Many times we've wished that at some point the Kings would have hired him, but we'll see how our coach does with our new roster. With our new, because <laughs> apparently this is the off season that the Kings are going to go get players. Yeah, so, yeah. So can't that's, wait. That's I've been hearing that a lot, and I hate having expectations of this team because I always feel like I'm I'm going to be disappointed. You know, yeah, but that's uh, all I'm hearing. I'm that's all I keep hearing is that this is this is the off season, guys. Brace yourself. There's some we're going to do some wild things. And from, from everyone, yeah, Elliot Friedman, the Kings yeah. are big game hunting. Yeah, read thirty one thoughts every. I think for three straight weeks, he's like, look, keep an eye on the Kings. Yeah, Darren Drager, keep an eye on the Kings. It's everywhere internally. John Hoven, Kings are going to get two forwards and a D. It's all over. It's all over the place. And interestingly, to just to piggyback on that, what seemed like last in last a few days ago, Elliot Friedman in his 31 thoughts said the Sabres are expecting to have a second top 10 pick this season, or they're mm. preparing to pick mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. which means I mean nothing's a lock, of course. Sure. But they're they're kind of Seemingly. You know who they're talking to, basically. Basically, and and a, another team that comes up is Anaheim, and they come mm. up a lot. And what's funny is, I don't see anything about Trevor Zegers being in those trades. Right. Maybe you see Drysdale once or twice, but never Zegers. It's like Courtois right. and you know whatever parts. And yet, when it comes to the Kings, like it's a lock that Byfield's in it. It's anyway more frustration, yeah. but. How's, how, I mean, it would be a gut punch. A, that's what I'm trying to. Kick, I mean, that's what I'm. Oh my god! Yes, if Jack Eichel goes to the Ducks, and that's what I'm trying to. Again, I'm trying to look at this from every type of perspective possible, right? Like you want to sit there and you want to talk about the asking price is too high. There's no way I want this guy in the Kings. Okay, so Anaheim, say Anaheim comes along and gives up whoever, and they bring Jack Eichel. Does that make you feel good? Do you look down and go, "Good, good. I, I didn't want him anyway." Like. Or do you sit there and go, shit, now I'm going to have to deal with this guy for the next five or six years. Mind you, most people have not watched him play consistently. You know, he's played on Buffalo, which was a bad team, and has still been a point-of-game player for several seasons. And the level of, I don't know, hubris, or I don't know how else to describe it, to say, not this guy. We don't need him. He's a cancer in the locker room. That locker room itself is a living, breathing cancer. That whole organization is a cancer. It was like that before Eichel got there. It's going to be like that after he leaves. He didn't. He didn't make it what it is. It's it's all this like narrative shit that people like to attach to him to again justify in their head as to why they wouldn't trade for this guy. Like if he if he actually gets traded for and he shows up and he's putting ninety points up in a Kings jersey, you're gonna sit there and you're gonna be like, "Wish Alex Turcott were here. He he'd do something about this." I don't know. All right, seriously, we gotta stop talking about Eichel. Seriously, <laughs> that's come on. And another thing about no, hey man, that that was our most listened to episode. That's true. <laughs> maybe that's all. Maybe that's all people want. All Eichel, all the time. Even if he ends up on the Ducks, that's all we're going to talk about. Yeah, um, we can move on. But I just, 
excite me, bro. That's what I just make yeah. me excited. Yeah. Just I don't want these second tier, third tier forwards, like yeah. Like if they I don't know, this is just an example. I don't even think he's a free agent. I don't think the team would, but if like they're gonna hype me up about signing like a Paul Byron or some <laughs> shit, like I don't want to do that anymore, man. Yeah, I'm I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> like give me. Come on, give it to me. All like, right. Give me the Ziggy trade. You know Kings what I mean? Kings fans, here is Zach Hyman. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, yeah, good guy. Nice yeah. player. <laughs> yeah. Like, just another nice player. He, I don't know. Yeah. I'm being, you know, maybe I'm You're not exhausted. Being, You're tired. <laughs> you know, that's all I'm saying, man. Uh, don't Kyle uh, Calder me here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? Yeah. All right. How about we talk some playoffs? Because that's those are those are running hot. Before right we now. do, before we okay. Do. All right. Go I ahead. want to bring up one more thing, and that's is it about Jack Eichel? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's how. No, it's not. I'm kidding. But it's about Andreas Athanasiu. Okay. And his situation. If you've been reading and following the same people we follow, there seems to be a threshold that the Kings. See, this is all, I guess, rumor and innuendo, whatever. But there seems to be a threshold that the Kings aren't going to be willing to pass with Athanasiu, and they're going to kind of give him a take it or leave it kind of offer, or let him go to free agency for reasons that I couldn't tell you or explain mm-hmm. to you because they have his rights, mm-hmm. and apparently they don't want to figure something out. I don't goddamn know anymore. Anyway, your thoughts, Vardy? Should the Kings? be behaving this way with this player if if what we read is true i have no <laughs> why why would you do that because you got this guy adrian campaign needs to be on the top line you got this guy for free he's clearly an nhl player he's a skilled player a lot of nights he was the only one doing anything worth a damn out there did he fade down the stretch? Sure. So did the entire team. They had to play Colorado seven times in a row. Who wouldn't fade? You know, I, you had him for free. You still have him for free. To walk away from a guy like that, who's, who's an RFA prospect, who you have, you have raised off of the dung heap of the NHL and proven that he can still be a player. And to just say, no, thanks. Here's your qualifying offer or not even give him a qualifying offer would be a completely stupid move. It's poor asset management. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't even know how this conversation came to be that like this might happen, but it would be for a team like the Kings who have nothing but cap space, who have nothing but trade potential, who have nothing but, but you know, the flexibility to do whatever they please to walk away from a 26 year old guy who's an RFA because reasons would be just dumb listen full disclosure this is what uh, mayor's manor is reporting and i'm not saying that to be like oh john hoven doesn't know he's reporting what he knows so uh, my frustration is that if that is true that's really upsetting because on his blog he's kind of projected out the roster and he kind of asked the fan where would he play should if the Kings signed him mm-hmm. and on his roster, he has Austin Wagner on the fourth line. Yeah. Which I'm assuming he's getting that info from the Kings 
And if the Kings are not going to sign Andreas Athanasiu because they feel like we're good, we have too many players, and in one of those boxes is Austin Wagner, I'm going to bang my head against the wall. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's a lot that is going to happen between now and October. Expansion draft, trades. He can only project the roster based on what there is right now. I don't think, again, the situation is so fluid that I think he's gathering the information based on what he has now and reporting it based on what he has. That, in my mind, can change so quickly in the right circumstances and roster players can be moved for other roster players from other teams or picks or what have you. We've looked at this up and down before the Kings have more middle six forwards or bottom nine, however you want to describe it forwards and they know what to do with, but that doesn't mean that you keep an Austin Wagner and give up a Andreas Athanasiu for nothing in that regard. I think, I think that situation is very fluid. I think that they ultimately bring back Athanasiu in my mind or, or they sign him and they use him as part of a trade package because now again, he has value. That's how I, I kind of look at things. There's also the protection aspect of this for Athanasiu that would kind of, that they would have to protect him if they, they signed would him. Have but to protect him. I, yeah, but I don't I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's the name name seven forwards. So the that's seven the, most listed names I've I've heard are the obvious ones in uh Kopi Brown, mm-hmm. Kempe I follow, that's four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um Trevor Moore is five. Uh-huh. Leah Sanderson, Carl Gunstrom. I see. So you're thinking they keep Grunstrom over over one of those guys? It's not that I'm thinking they do that. That's what I've read the most. Sure. That th- that Grunstrom would be protected. But that's okay. That's that's fine. What is the concern that that they're going to take Athens U from us? That Seattle would take Athens U from us. Okay, let them let them take Athens U if that's what they want. It's that would mean that we that we get to keep clean. both. Yeah. That's fine by me. <laughs> We're high on Kale Clay here, guys. But I, but I guess what I didn't mean that's my concern. I just meant there is another layer to signing FNCU and that you have to decide to protect him or not. Yeah, but I think you sign him and you don't protect him. And I don't, I don't think there's a risk that they're going to take FNCU. I think the risk is legitimately whether they're going to take Walker, depending on who they protect from a... It'll be Walker that they're going to protect, probably. Okay, so if they protect Walker, then I think Kale Clegg is the one who's gone for multiple, multiple, multiple reasons. Yeah. If Seattle decides that they're going to take Andreas Athanasiu over Kale Clegg, I take that any day of the week. Do you call that a win? 100% I do. 100% I do. I think anyone would. Because I'm sitting here doing somersaults in my head trying to figure out ways that we don't lose Kale Clegg for nothing after developing him for three years. You know what would be really great? If they really, really want Brendan Lemieux really bad for that sandpaper. <laughs> I would love that. For, you Just, know, all that other horse shit yeah. everyone says. That would be cool, man. Yeah. Or maybe they need big old Curtis McDermott. That's right. You know? have, we, have we not showcased him enough? He played more than Kale Clegg for what it's worth, Seattle. He played more NHL games, so he must be better than Kale Clake. 
I'm, I'm no hockey scientist, but you know, you can't argue with the math here. That is good math. Thank you. It's very solid. Okay. All right. Okay. I got that out. I want to talk, talk about CU. I am now, I haven't been made whole, so I okay. appreciate it. Good. Playoffs. Playoffs. Loving it. <laughs> Great games, man. So entertaining. Um, screw Montreal. <laughs> I hate them. Can't I will stand always, them. Always hate them. Can't stand them. I can't undo. I was like nine when they did yeah. what they did to me. That's right. In 1993. And people say, oh, we won the cup. No. My childhood was shattered. Yeah. Um, they used tomfoolery and shenanigans. That's right. To take the Stanley Cup away from a nine-year-old boy. You know what hurts me the most about that? I've it's that Wayne Gretzky didn't win one with the Kings, and mm. that was his chance. Mm-hmm. It, it still it, like it still hurts me to this day that we couldn't get one with him here. Anyway, f- Montreal <laughs> is where I'm at with that. Uh, I will say though, man, goddamn, are they playing some good hockey right They're now? Playing fantastic a, hockey. It is a thing to behold the way they're defending against Vegas right now, it's a master class in defense. And uh, you could see how frustrated Vegas is getting every single shift because there's times where they find open ice and they're trying to shoot and there's a stick at the last second. There's a body. How many shots have these guys blocked? It is astounding. Mm-hmm. Jeff Petrie, Shea Weber, like these Edmondson, they're blocking shots with any limb, any body part they could possibly put in front of the Vegas Golden Knights. And then after you get through what's seemingly an impenetrable wall, Carey Price is waiting for you, playing the best hockey of his career. Like, imagine trying to play that team and win four out of seven. That just sounds like a nightmare right now. They're, they are feeling it and... God, I hope Tampa Bay sweeps them. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we can both agree that no matter who comes out of the uh, the I don't know corrupted Campbell Conference, whatever you want to call it, it's the bootleg somehow, Campbell Conference. Yeah, the bootleg Campbell Conference. We'd prefer Tampa win or New York. Uh, I'm I, we've had this discussion pretty in depth on Twitter, and I love that. I love the engagement. I love the opinions that people have, and I respect all of them, no matter how they feel. But I think you and I are very solidly in the uh, uh, no Montreal camp at the very least. And and me personally, I know you're not as uh, committed to this, but I'm in the no Montreal, no Vegas, nothing camp because I I can't stand either of these teams. I can't. Now people, it's not, and it's not because. Vegas started our rebuild or whatever. We we brought that on ourselves. We were on the decline anyway, and Vegas was a good team kicking us while we were on our way down. And that's okay. We deserve that. My issues with Vegas are not totally rational. I fully admit this, but it's twofold. One, it kind of goes back to everything that I mentioned, is that every move that they have made has worked out for them. I cannot think of a single move that they have made that has just been like, well, not quite. And they, they find a way out of everything. They find a way out of like, you know, okay, this, this wasn't that great. Not a big deal. We move on. 
I might have one. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Suzuki for Pacioretty. How has that not worked out for them? Suzuki's currently kicking their ass. Okay, fine. But Pacioretty has been playing very, very well for them. Not in not this series. Up until this point. Not in the head-to-head situation. Fine. I guess my point is it's not a clear win. Can we just sure. put that on? It is not a clear win for Vegas because Fine. Nick Suzuki, I think, and he's played 21 playoff games. He has like 20 points in his career. Yeah. So Fine. Okay. Fine. I'll give you that. Sweet. But everything else has worked out very well. Free agent signings have worked out well. Trades in general have not completely blown up in their faces. They, on top of that, we talked about this at the end of last season, have just made very kind of just, I don't know, slimy moves in some ways. The whole uh, way they handled the flurry situation last season and now still going back and forth with goaltending, the firing of Gallant, the unceremonious firing of Gallant, the way they did. And to top it all off, to bring in Peter DeBoer as her coach. Now we're getting to the meat of this, this I problem. I hate Peter DeBoer. You know, he is. I, hold on. I don't like, like, I'm, whatever. I don't like him. Mm-hmm. But I would love to know the genesis of your hatred for Peter DeBoer. I have seen so much of Peter DeBoer in so many different iterations with so many different teams. And I do not understand how this guy keeps failing upward. He has never taken a team that has been bad and made them good. However, he has taken several teams who have been good and made them bad. And then they still keep giving him good teams to play with. He hasn't won. He's lost multiple times in, you know, reached close and then lost, including uh, once to us. He's, He's not a good coach. He's, a coach who's put with good teams and manages to do well with them before they fizzle out and do terribly. The end. That's a lot. Of, I mean, I, okay. Yeah. I, I'm still not getting the passionate hatred. <laughs> is it because he keeps getting opportunity after opportunity? Yeah. And he's kind of an asshole. Every time I he see him kind of out to the there. Media. Yeah, he is. He is a prick to the way he to. talks, the way he interacts, the way, he, you know, just, I just, I never get the sense that this is like a decent dude. I get that part. I get, I, he deserves an eternity of questions from Adrian Dater. That's what he deserves for the rest of his press conferences. All right. So I guess, I guess I understand Yeah, where you're coming from, buddy. All right. Fine. Fine. Um, one thing I will say is that I think the hatred for Vegas from Kings fans is a bit much. It's a bit much. I don't think it's all warranted. Blame the GMs, man. And don't tell me they cheated. Come on. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear this shit. I also don't want to hear that Tampa Bay is cheating. Or it's, they're, they're, the bending, rules. they're bending the rules. Sure. Fair. Sure. Um, that's it. For, I mean, I, the only other playoff thing I was going to ask you is who's, who's your cons my favorite right now? Right now, I, I, I lean towards uh, Nikita Kucherov just because I feel like he's just a living weapon. Um, he's so good. He's ridiculously good. I had no idea 
that's not true. I had an idea, but I didn't know to the to the level of playmaker that he is. He his passing ability is out of this world amazing. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he has all these assists and stuff, but the plays he makes, the creativity on his passes are are absolutely amazing. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Um I, I think I'm I think I'm gonna go price, obviously. He's been mm, that's a good one too. But from Tampa, I think I'm probably leaning point over Kucherov. Not because he deserves it more. Yes, he has eight straight games with a goal, which is the second most in NHL history in the playoffs streak-wise. He's too, like two away from the record. Mm-hmm. Um, the clutchness of his goals. And also because I think because every, kind of there's this narrative that Tampa cheated and Kucherov's the poster boy of that. Yeah. Almost like he's the face of that. Yeah. I feel like voters are... <laughs> are going to go a different direction for some reason. I feel like it will be a bit of a PR nightmare mm, if your con Smythe winner is the guy everyone's saying shouldn't be on the roster yeah. in the playoffs, which, right, is not a, which is not a fair, I don't know. I just, that's the way I feel. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I can accept that. Still doesn't take away from the fact that that team is ridiculous right now. And uh, when they're on, I don't, I don't care who you are. You're not beating them. When they're feeling it, you are in trouble. Yeah. Just, I don't see how they don't win the cup. I just don't see how, how they're not going to repeat. I mean, Montreal is going to give them problems if, if they advance. Um, but I think they would curb stomp Vegas. Mm. Not the other way around, huh? What do you mean? Vegas curb stomp Tampa? Well, no, that, that the Vegas would give them problems, but Montreal would get curb stomped. I mean, clearly Montreal is not getting uh, curb stomped by anyone right now. So no, well, no, I'm saying they would curb curb stomp Vegas, and Montreal might give them a hard time because Montreal is playing so tight mm-hmm. and clogging up the neutral zone and carry price. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, but I think the way I think they would destroy Flurry, <laughs> just absolutely, just oh my, oh my, yeah. Um, Anyway, so yeah, Tampa. Tampa's going to win the cup, I think. Good. I'm okay with that. All right. It's episode 72. There's only one man. (laughs) I put that in quotes. (laughs) Which pretty much gave gave it away. Who who has ever worn the number 72 for the LA Kings? So this was gonna be oh, my nice. this was gonna be my only guess anyway, but that little quote thing, I didn't give it away. Bailey, Bailey D Lion. That's the one. That is the one. He is really the only number seventy. He's the only seventy-two. That is astonishing. And I think it's retired after that. <laughs> it's uh, going yeah. to the rafters. No one wants to wear that anymore. Nope. Nope. They're, I think they're struggling to find someone to put the suit on anyway. But <laughs> he's coming back. He is coming back. So it's a he's turning a new leaf. Bailey's Bailey's back, baby. Very exciting. That's right. We can't make this the Bailey episode. How about we make it? How about we make it the Ace Bailey episode for the for the man for the man he was named after? I like it. We're going with that. Fantastic. Excellent. All right. We're not gonna wait so long for the next episode, I think. I think we're gonna get back on track. 
Stanley Cup's coming. Draft is coming. There will be content. <laughs> there will be blood. Love it. <laughs> all right. So thanks, everyone. Uh, subscribe, comment, review, all that fun stuff. Keep the Twitter engagement coming. Uh, and keep listening, apparently. Let's make this one the most listened to, shall we? You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.